Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Okay, welcome everyone. Welcome to the Fanalytics podcast. Mike Lewis, Doug Battle brought to you by Emory Marketing Analytics Center. Doug, I think we got a I think we got divergent interests this week in terms of sports stories. I think I want to talk about a a branding dispute involving organizations that the general public has never heard of and you want to talk about right. the NBA playoffs. Is that about right? Yeah, I, I say why not do it all? Oh, I think we let's will. Go, Where do you want to start? Let's do this branding dispute right out the gate because I know exactly what you're talking about. It's your favorite women's soccer player. Okay. Um, well, hey, hey, hey. I don't want any trouble. <laughs> and dispute with the guy that did the intro for the Super Bowl this year. Yes. Um, my favorite women's soccer player, I'm actually in the midst of doing something else and I'll put some results from what I'm working on on the fandomanalytics.com page. But it's a it's related to the the structure of influencers, right? Everything is about influence marketing, influencer marketing. And I find myself doing quite a bit of research using Megan Rapino as one of the sort of one of the one of the questions to survey folks about because she's such a polarizing she's such a polarizing figure and, and so mm-hmm. she's great for understanding differences across segments of consumers but so we'll get to her in just a second by way of introducing this branding dispute and again now now suddenly i'm like um going in a, a sort of a different direction doug i gotta tell you i love new football leagues I know you do. I this, really do. It's, I think the pandemic was really a bummer for you because it got rid of the American AAF, football, I think it was called. <laughs> whatever that alliance yeah, of football. Yeah, the, the Atlanta Legends. Of which I went to uh, a game in Birmingham. It was hilarious. Really? It was one of the funniest sports experiences I've ever had. I went with a group of guys and we just pretended to be intense, hardcore Alabama Iron fans. Reliving your Spike Squad days? Yeah, but it was in a crowd of about 20 people <laughs> in an arena that could hold 60,000 people. <laughs> well, Spurk, speaking of Birmingham, what's the name of the football stadium in Birmingham? Well, that was Legion Field. There's a new one now. Yeah, called Protective Stadium, I believe. Protective Stadium, yeah. Yeah. UAB. What, what is Protective Stadium? That's a brand, I Something assume? in healthcare. Something in healthcare. Okay, so again, this story gets a little bit complicated because I want to talk about multiple things. I love new sports leagues, new football leagues especially, because they all seem – I mean, do you, do you think there's any hope when folks get together and try and start a new football league at your young age? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think, like, looking back on the Birmingham Iron, when that started up, I think there, was, there were some people that thought this could be big. This could be a big, this, this could put us on the map. I don't know. As someone who's lived in other cities where there's professional sports, such as Atlanta, it's always funny <laughs> now to look at these minor league football. Okay, so the Birmingham Iron failed. Now, you're a Birmingham guy, right? You grew up in Birmingham? Yep. Okay. So what's your current professional football team, local professional football team? The Alabama Crimson Tide. 
<laughs> so you are unaware that you actually have a team now called the Birmingham Stallions. Oh, that's right. I did see that uh, just because there's a group of guys from high school and we have a group me called the Stallions and I put in there that they named a team after us. Um, and, and technically, you guys have actually eight professional, local professional football teams. Are you aware of this? Football teams. Yes. American football. Okay, so Doug, the USFL is starting up, I think, this coming weekend, and they have the New Jersey Generals, the Michigan Panthers, the Philadelphia Stars, Pittsburgh Maulers, Tampa Bay Bandits, New Orleans Breakers, Houston Gamblers, and Birmingham Stallions. But here's the twist, plot twist. They're all located in Birmingham this year, and they're playing all the games in Protective Stadium. <laughs> That's amazing. I had no idea. I truly had no idea. I mean, I haven't been to Birmingham in a hot second, but I hadn't heard a, a peep about that. See, my thing with minor league football is you got to make... I think minor league baseball has kind of figured it out to an extent where they do some silly stuff with the branding and the, the names of the teams or whatnot, but... Um, I think minor league football, you got like, let the players fight in between plays or do you got to do some crazy stuff to make it interesting because otherwise it just feels like really bad football. Okay. A, a little bit of a trivia question for you. And, and look, I didn't, we didn't talk about the USFL before the show. Cause I really did want your reaction as a Birmingham native to see, understand how much you knew about this situation. Doug, right. your lack of knowledge from your family still living in Birmingham suggests it's not a great signal for the league potential right. success. But do you realize what's going on here that this is the redo of the USFL and I think, you know, the New Jersey Generals was actually the team that Herschel Walker played for. Yeah, I was going to say that sounded familiar. Back in the um, 19 in, I believe the 1980s. So So they, I was actually familiar with with the New Jersey Generals like okay. when you said that just as a Georgia guy. So they are, you know, re <coughs> recreating these brands. I assume they're playing in Birmingham. Because these these organizations always struggle the first season, so maybe the plan is keep costs low the first season. If you survive the first first season, then send them out. But it is amusing that there are eight franchises, you know, labeled living in different locations that are all op essentially it's the Birmingham bubble, Doug. It's COVID inspired bubble. It's the Birmingham bubble. I think it's great. I now I kind of want to go back to Birmingham and watch some minor league football. Any sense of what protective stadium seats? Uh, I would say it's probably like 50,000. Okay. That would be my ballpark well, guess. As always, I love these stories. Love watching these things play out. I think they start this coming weekend, so we'll see. Now, but it's not enough to just have one of these. The XFL is also making a comeback. Yes, the this XFL, is where things get juicy. <laughs> the XFL, which was originally brought to us by Vince McMahon and the WWE. And uh, again, before your time, the original oh, XFL. Wasn't, I remember. Okay. Do you remember? I had the little football. They had, their footballs were different. They even let players put their own uh, nicknames. So there was a running back, I think, who was going by, he hate me on the back of his jersey. <laughs> yeah, I remember they had, their football was a little bit more round. It was a little bit. It, it was sized a little differently, and it was black, and it had red stripes. It was very, very WWE. Okay. Well, the the XFL is not starting until 2023. I mean, and, and you referenced it already, that 
the XFL is partly owned by the guy that did the Super Bowl introduction. So for some reason, this version of the XFL is not owned by Vince McMahon, at least not publicly. But The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, is one of the co-owners of the XFL. I don't know if we know a lot more about the XFL than the fact that The Rock is one of the co-owners. Yeah, I feel like with The Rock being one of the co-owners and just with the whole situation, um, I would expect it to be like WWE football, like this kind of entertainment-focused product where there's larger-than-life characters and the focus is on that rather than these guys are the best football players in the world. That would be my expectation, purely uh, speculating here, but that's that's my prediction for the XFL. And if Jake Paul is one of the quarterbacks in the league, potentially exactly. that kind of... Okay. Exactly, yep. No, I mean, exactly. it seems to be where this is kind of going. Okay, now, the XFL has some promotional videos out there, and as always, you know, there's some very common themes these days in the world of sports, uh, community, togetherness, and, and again, these are just, there's nothing magic, nothing particularly new about this. I mean, you're from the the Bulldog Nation, the Dog Nation, is that how you guys yep. think of yourselves? The Gator Nation, Illini Nation, right? It's always been this notion of community. It's part. It's probably why these leagues are sort of destined to fail, though, right? They need to com- create this community that people want to belong to to get beyond just having minor league football on the field. And so in, <clears throat> in some of the promotional videos that the XFL has put out there, they emphasize the word together okay have you seen the logo or you know the the logo that was sort of the began the controversy yes it is an x that is split down the middle so it's like two v's that are sideways okay it's an x split down the middle and what they put in the middle of it together okay so the word together sandwiched by two like flying v's that That make the x yeah okay (laughs) I mean, reaction to that logo or any of this? Um, my first thought on on just the X by itself is actually, I know that another brand is upset about it, but the other brand's logo looks okay. exactly Let like. Let me ask early. you a question: Were you aware of the other brand? No, I wasn't aware of any of these brands. I didn't know the XFL was making a comeback, so this was probably good news for the XFL, this whole lawsuit thing. This may have been great news for everyone involved on both sides, right? <laughs> That's true. That's true. All Maybe they staged it, both sides. All publicity is good publicity. Okay, so do you want me to explain? Do you want to explain the other organization involved in this? I don't know that much about it. I know it's Megan Rapino. I know it's called Together, and they spell Together with an X okay, in it. In the- I got to correct you. I've done some research on this. I don't think it's Megan Rapino. At least she's not listed on the other organization's webpage. Is Sue, is Sue Bird? It's Sue Bird as one okay, of the well, co-founders wife, and owners. Right. So, yeah, instead of using an E on together, they decide to spell it with an X. And the X is, like, very similar to the X used by the XFL, which also is very similar to Hurley's H. It looks like the same (laughs) font, but they just made an X instead of an H. So, just throwing that out there. I think Hurley should get involved and sue together. Sue everybody, right? Yeah. And, And whoever invented the alphabet should sue even more people exactly (laughs) okay okay so 
the other brand involved is called Together. Well, it's just called Together, but the last, the E is an X and half the X is white, half the X is black. So it's all like half of the X is invisible. And from what I can tell, looking on the, you know, looking at that organization's website, it's put together by Sue Bird, Alex Morgan, a couple of other famous female athletes that apologize, can't recall. Um, it seems to be the effort to be a lifestyle kind of brand built on this notion of advocacy. Like they, they have, they, they're selling merchandise that has phrases like equal play, equal pay, which right. I think suggests the direction they're going. So it's a, one's a lifestyle brand. One's the rebirth of this minor league football organization. The logo dispute seems to be that the XFL has put the X, <laughs> the parts of the X at the ends of the word together and together has the X, you know, within their word together. Okay, right. Doug, there's a long history of people suing each other for trademark disputes that this brand infringes on another brand, that it's going to confuse consumers, that consumers are going to be, you know, the XX, the Essentially, the together folks are going to be confused and are going to show up and buy a ticket to the XFL because of the together logo. And again, I'm making a little bit of light of this. As a consumer, a sports fan that had no knowledge of either of these two organizations till I brought it up to you in the last week, what's your reaction? Are you confused by these brands? First off, they don't have to worry about me buying a ticket to either because I won't, um, even if, if there were ticketed events. Secondly, I think someone's asking for some merchandise from Together. And I don't even know how to say it, right? Is it Together yeah, X? I guess or if you want to support women and you accidentally go buy a ticket XFL, to the Rocks Football League, XFL merchandise, I guess that could happen. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what to say. Like, as a consumer, it doesn't make any difference for me. I, I can tell the difference. Um, I, I guess I could see how like a complete idiot would get them confused. I don't see how that would change their consumer behavior in any way. But like technically, I see what the case is here. Um, as far as equal pay for equal play, I think that they have a good shot at getting equal pay to what the XFL football players are making. That's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> You know, okay, I mean, the other thing in all this, right, is there's something there's something sort of disturbing about this, right? That essentially the logo, essentially they're fighting over the word together with an X involved. Yeah, which is a strange thing because <laughs> X and the word together don't go together. Also, uh, together implies this unity at least from the one organ i mean from both organizations and so the fact that there's a lawsuit over the the phrase they're fighting is, is a little bit ironic hey look for what i preach about fandom being about community and you know belonging and identity and in some ways this is great stuff right both of them are trying to leverage the word together to form their communities right now they're very different communities one is rooting for you know a, a football team of you know, I don't, I don't know if they even have the names yet. And the other is to, you know, be part of this lifestyle brand. So it, they're, they're sort of on theme for how fandom works. But 
you know, I don't know that it seems like a little bit of a crazy dispute in an effort to own to basically own a fundamental part of the human language with a small twist to it, which I think has got to be disturbing to to people out there. Uh, the other thing in, in all this is I don't actually even know that the XFL cares that much about the word together. It almost looks like this was a one-off element of a of a promotional video that may never see the light of day again. So this may be yeah. an entirely manufactured controversy. Yeah, I don't know how integral it is to their branding. Um, but, I mean, I think Megan Rapino tweeted out, I think it was her, that said they're going to have to find a new logo for the XFL because the X and XFL is copying the x and together now of course the funny thing about that right is that the xfl logo has existed for 20 plus years yeah i don't know if they redesigned it i don't remember the old one <laughs> the xfl hasn't exactly been a uh integral part of american culture okay doug last little twist on this and then we can get to the nba or Cam Newton or whoever else has made news this week that you want to talk about okay. is the social influence of these organizations. The, um, the USFL making the, you know, going full circle on this has 90,000 followers on Twitter and they're about to start playing. Ooh, the ooh, as in not great. Yeah. Okay. Doesn't look great. I couldn't even find a, an Instagram handle for the USFL, so I don't, I don't know what they're what they're doing. Maybe they just have them for the individual teams. The XFL has five hundred and fifty k on followers on Twitter and three hundred and fifty thousand on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So I have I have several influencer friends that have more followers than either. And what they need to do is fill out teams with at least like one team captain of each team be some Instagram famous fitness guru or something. Well, you know, you wonder if The Rock actually has any money in this or if it's just, is The Rock a part owner based on his ability to tweet and do Instagram posts about the league, right? Right, because right. Because I think The Rock... I mean, if you were creating something like this, you'd probably feel like, all right, our one shot is we got to partner with someone like The Rock who can really give it a face. Because I, wanna, I, I would imagine that's kind of his role. I want to say that The Rock might be one of the top five IG people globally. I mean, I think he's absolutely enormous. I think he was voted sexiest man alive a couple of years ago. So well deserved. Well deserved. Well deserved. He also played the Samoan guy in Moana. Did a great job. Sang. Pretty sure they auto tuned his voice, but it was beautiful. Okay. Now, and I'm going to come back to a question about The Rock for you in a second here. Together X, however you pronounce that, has 98,000 followers on Twitter. Sorry, 37,000 followers on Twitter, 98,000 on Instagram. Right. So again, you know a number of influencers that are just sort of walking around regular people that have 10 times those numbers. Yeah, and I would say, like, I'm sure Megan Rapino has 10 times those numbers as well. I'm sure, like, the personal accounts of Sue Bird and, and other people, just like The Rock, has more followers than the XFL. Yeah, it just hasn't been able to translate. And again, maybe this was uh, part of the marketing strategy. Okay, so my question before we get to the NBA, though, Doug, what's the best movie The Rock's ever made? Um, 
I, I, I just said it. Moana. Moana. Okay. Yeah. Great film. Is great he the film. biggest? He's the biggest movie star in the world. And has probably <laughs> never actually made a great movie. <laughs> in a good movie. Um, <laughs> the game plan is the one I remember as a kid. It's a cheesy Disney movie. He's in a lot of silly movies. I'm trying to think. Uh, I know a lot of people like Jumanji. I think that's funny. Fast and Furious, but I don't think you can give him credit for those. Yeah, I mean, that's not really his gig. It's like, I mean, he's in it, you know. But yeah, I, I think I think if I were like, if you looked at the Rotten Tomatoes ratings, I bet you Moana is the top one. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I have no idea. That's a Disney thing? It's an animated children's Disney film. And he plays a supporting character. And he sings like not quite falsetto, but he gets up there. It's kind of impressive. I like it. Um, yeah. I don't anticipate seeing this, but yeah, if I come across it, I'll watch it for ten minutes. Perhaps <laughs> you're not going to watch the whole thing. I can guarantee, unless you have a little three-year-old daughter. Um, yeah, look, I mean, I've, everyone goes through that. Like I was sort of, you know, my kids grew up during like Lilo and Stitch. So if the yeah, rock had exactly. been there. I mean, this was the Lilo and Stitch of, of Gen Z, I think. Maybe, like, whatever's beyond Gen Z. Alpha? I think they're calling Gen Alpha. Gen Alpha. That's a funny name to use for yeah. anybody nowadays. Well, after Z, you got to reset it, right? Yeah. Okay, Doug. So, moving on to the NBA. and I think I'm going to be more reactive to what you're going to say. I mean, my two cents is that his, this has been a an interesting NBA season. It seems like for the longest time, you know, I have been talking about the NBA and the idea of changing of the guard, right? The mm -hmm. moving from the NBA, has always been so star driven focus on LeBron and Durant. And I think we always, I always, you know, and there's no reason for this almost thought there'd be sort of something dramatic, the changing of the guard, but maybe it's just something that happens slowly. And the, the Lakers being what. 16 games under 500 and missing the playoffs, the Nets mm -hmm. having to do the play-in, that the changing of the guard happens relatively slowly. And, you know, maybe maybe it happened. Maybe Phoenix is the new NBA royalty with uh, Memphis as sort of, you know, the number two or sort of coming of age. Yeah, we'll see how these playoffs play out, but it certainly feels like it's happening. Um, LeBron not even being in the playoffs and, and the, all the superstars with LeBron, LeBron, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, Carmelo Anthony. There's a number of guys that we're used to seeing Dwight Howard that are all out. Um, the top teams being Phoenix. Well, let me, let me the, ask you a question before we, before we move on from the Lakers was the firing of Vogel. I mean, that was all over ESPN yesterday. So the Lakers were still making news, sort of the, maybe the, the top NBA story as the playoffs were starting not being in it. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I think in Los Angeles, as much as outside of Los Angeles, it seems like a sports town. Like, from the time I've spent in Los Angeles, nobody actually really cares. Like, they going to the game, it's like, it's like going to a museum. Or something. It's something to do, but it's. I don't think the fan. I'm not saying there aren't the diehard fans. I think a lot of them don't live in Los Angeles because I know diehard fans in Georgia uh, or in Alabama that have pulled for the Lakers since they were a child. But within Los Angeles, it almost seems like there's more of a Kobe Bryant fandom with all the murals and all the 
jerseys that you see, then I don't think anyone really has this like emotional connection with the LeBron James Lakers. But it's probably tough too, right? I mean, it's been a rocky, it's been a rocky tenure. Yeah, it's weird because they won a finals, but it was during the bubble, and now they fired the coach that did it, and it's feeling more and more like a fluke. Um, the I <laughs> I sent you last night, but for our audience, I'll have to link this. But there, somebody on Twitter made a one shining moment video for the Lakers season with just a, a compilation of air balls and missed free throws and turnovers and horrible decision making and, and bad sportsmanship and all the rest. So it's it's been a hilarious ride for a team that I think maybe not the majority, but I think it was like it was a pretty popular opinion going to the season to have them as your finals pick. Well they were definitely one of the favorites if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. One of the betting favorites. Yeah, and there were I think there were people critical, but I think the like I said, I think it was a pretty popular uh, position to to think, okay, this is going to be the best team in the NBA. There's no way these guys lose with the number of stars they have. Well, what's the I mean, what do you think the consensus is that, you know, injuries to a couple of the guys in Westbrook just done? I think the consensus is you you can't assemble a team of only old hmm. superstars past their prime. It hasn't worked. Like we've seen it. We saw it in Los Angeles, even when Kobe Bryant was paired with Steve Nash and Dwight Howard, um, that team failed. The Nets years back with Joe Johnson, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, that team, Jason Terry, like that team was just a bunch of former all-stars. I think they were out in the first or second round of the playoffs. I think it was the second round. But so we've seen this a few times and I think, you know, I guess hindsight's twenty twenty, but this kind of followed that pattern so the writing really was on the wall it was all it created a lot of buzz got a lot of people excited but end of the day um it's not effective part of that's injuries but i don't think the injuries are bad luck i mean when you got a bunch of guys that are 37 years old playing basketball i think injuries are a pretty inevitable part of it i wonder if frankly this idea of building around the aging superstar i was gonna say it never works but then i was thinking well tom brady made it work yeah. So um, maybe it's worked once and it was in a different sport. Yeah. I mean, in basketball, like even old Jordan and old Kobe weren't on championship teams, although I think they could have been if they had the right supporting pieces. But it's, I mean, I was thinking that last night when I was watching the Clippers and like Paul George is starting to get older and he's a really, really good basketball player. Um, but there does come a point where it's like when all your, hopes or hitch to this one guy that tends to get hurt like Kawhi Leonard for example uh, wasn't playing last night um and we'll get to that whole game in a minute but I, I don't know it's it's definitely seems like it's changing where like if you look at the NBA now all the best teams are like star driven yes but driven by young stars who mm-hmm. are in like kind of coming into their prime I think the the exception would be Golden State with Steph Curry but you know even you know, and I'm just reacting. I'll let you steer this conversation. Yeah. Reacting to what you're saying. You know, I think the Grizzlies are incredibly young, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like with an average age, I think I saw less than 20, less than 25 when you do the sort of minutes played weighted by age. The, um, the other name they mentioned, Jason Tatum, it's like, 
you know, I feel like he's been a young up and comer for like five for years like now. Ten years. <laughs> I mean, he's he's probably yeah. completely in his prime. Yeah, I think he is too. Um, and that's why I feel like Boston, as much as it always feels like, oh, they've got time, they're so young. Like it actually is starting to feel like, okay, it might be their time. Like they, it's it's not now or never, but they need to progress because it's been going back to LeBron. Uh, I guess he was with the Cavs at the time when the Celtics took them to seven without Kyrie Irving and the Eastern Conference Finals. That was Jason Tatum's rookie year. That's when it felt like, okay, they're young. You know, they've got all these up-and-comers. But now, I think, I wouldn't say the clock's ticking, but at some point, you can't just be the two-seed every year and, and never even make the finals. So, but I mean, and the East, like... It it's all kind of like the Heat are kind of like that in my opinion. Like Bam out of Bayou feels like this new guy, but like he's been around. Um, Giannis feels like this new phenom, but he, I mean, he's a two time MVP. Joel Embiid still feels new to a lot of people, and like he's he's been in the NBA for forever. <laughs> and so, and you think that's the function of uh, LeBron, Steph Curry? Yeah, I think and like that's what I was getting at. The them, Kevin Durant, like, LeBron's. Them, they they stole the limelight from. They collected all the attention, and so these other guys. Well, those guys, in my opinion, they've been the veterans yeah. for a while, and so it makes everyone younger than them feel like these like young stars. Even like even Damian Lillard kind of can be perceived that way, and he's in his thirties. Yeah, um, everybody feels like a Trey Young <laughs> when it's when you're being compared against LeBron, who's been in the league my entire life, just about, uh, and I've been watching basketball the whole time. So, uh, you know, he felt like he felt like a veteran when he was playing for the heat. And that was what three stops ago for him. What are we at? Trey young and Luca Doncic are four or five year players at this point. Yeah. I mean, they're maybe they're finishing really young. the fourth year. Yeah. I think it's year four. Yeah. Um, and Luca's like the, the Mavs are going to be in the playoffs. The Hawks are in the play in. So they're still, they still haven't broken through to that top tier of NBA teams, either one of them. In some ways, it almost feels like we're having the same conversation we had last year at this time of who's going to be the who, who's going to be the breakout person, right? Is it going to be Doncic? Is it going to be Trey Young? I'd say keep an eye on Anthony Edwards. Absolutely. Pretty good last night for the Timberwolves. Uh, the Timberwolves team is hilarious because. You know, like coaches always say, act like you've been there before. They got a whole team of guys that disobey that command from a coach. They got a whole <laughs> team of guys that don't act like they've been. I remember when Anthony Edwards was at UGA. I went to a UGA Kentucky game. I was not a student. Uh, Georgia, Kentucky was a top 10 team, that, as you know, was common. And Georgia led by like a point or two at the half. And Anthony Edwards kind of led the way, but there were several of the players who went up to the student section, went up to the crowd, and they were celebrating like they had won the championship. It was halftime. They were up by a point or two. Kentucky was going into the locker room. They were on a business trip. And I was like, Georgia's going to lose this game. Like It was pretty much inevitable at that point. Same thing last night, though. Not at halftime, though. After the game, but, but play-in game. So this is you're playing for the right to play the Grizzlies in the first round. Uh, the Timberwolves 
Patrick Beverly leading the way. That guy is like all team, like first team all NBA pesk. Patrick Beverly. He's the Draymond Green of point guards, except he's not as good. <laughs> I remember, and, I, I'm old enough to remember when Illinois was recruiting him and there seemed to be a lot of controversy that he was <laughs> good enough but didn't have the grades or there were some, it's like one of those mysterious recruitments that there was kind of trouble in the background. Oh, he's still that guy. He's still that guy. And the thing is, every fan base that he plays for loves yeah. and adores him because he, he gives his heart and soul for the team. 100%. And if he'd come to Illinois, wow, I would have loved that guy. Every team he plays against, absolutely yeah. hates the guy they think he's dirty they think but anyway last night he celebrates i mean it truly it looked as though he had scored a triple double in game seven of the finals concluded by a buzzer beater if you saw his reaction to winning the play-in game and they were roasting him on tnt he's just Shaq and and charles barkley they started playing we are the champions and um they were asking to play one shining moment with just highlights from the one game but uh, and he went on Instagram live after the game and in a profanity laced bragging <laughs> escapade uh, with Anthony Edwards close behind him. And so it truly was beautiful. I think like I saw a lot of hate on Twitter and I, I tweeted out like some jokes about it and stuff. But I got to say it was fun. It's like if you're the Timberwolves, you know, you're probably not going to win the finals. I think the play-in game, like, I think this is why they made the play-in game. It is the finals for a team like the Timberwolves. For some teams, making the playoffs is, like, is that's their ceiling. And I think as much as we take sports seriously and want to be like, oh, they need to, you know, act like they've been there before and, and not be so showy and blah, blah, blah. Like, if I were the coach, I'd probably be saying that. But, like, as a general observer, I'm not mad. I think it, it made last night. Like it made what could have been a somewhat meaningless basketball game in the sense that you're playing for the right to get swept, um, more than likely. Although I don't know that they'll get swept. I kind of like their their team, but that uh, that sounds a hundred percent like a positive dog. I mean, if I'm the TV execs, I'm loving this. Oh yeah, I, like, I mean story. that's what I'm saying is like I think it was great for the NBA. I thought it was great. Like for me, I personally enjoyed watching just for how hilarious it was. Um, watching Shaq and Charles Barkley make fun of them because Shaq and Charles Barkley have both played well into the playoffs, if not for finals uh, or, or winning a final in Shaq's case. I'm not going to claim to be an expert on the Timberwolves, but that they sound like a fun team to watch. I mean, you know, they're again, fun to watch. I'm yeah. looking forward. I think after last night, the first round of the NBA playoffs, which really snuck up on us, by the way, yeah. it just was not on my radar. And then it's like, oh, it's here. Um, first round of the playoffs, Timberwolves versus Grizzlies. So we're going to have Patrick Beverly guarding Ja Morant. Uh, yes. For seven games. And, and you know, how great is that, right? The, the guy no one wants to have guarding him, right? Taking yeah. on the, maybe the top young star in the league, right? But then another storyline from that is Anthony Edwards on one end and John Morant on the other, where you have these two former top two picks yeah. uh, that are both young stars and both could be the face of the league in the coming years. And so, you know, typically a Grizzlies Timberwolves, that sounds like the cheap, cheapest ticket in season history. It sounds like a couple of 20 win teams square. Yeah. Off, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. And so the play in the play in made that intriguing for someone like me, who's kind of a general fan of the league. 
And that's now probably the series I'm most looking forward to, having watched the Timberwolves and seeing how they operate and realizing, okay, this is going to be an interesting dynamic. So I think the play-in's great for the NBA. Okay, a couple of follow-up questions on this, and this is sort of just kind of asides. How much loyalty you got to Anthony Edwards, given that he spent one year at uh, Georgia? Is he part of the Georgia family? He doesn't feel like Georgia family. Just, I mean, that's how I feel like that about every college basketball player that's a one and done, which is most guys that are in the NBA. It doesn't feel like family to me. So, my, I feel like I would be an Anthony Edwards fan had he gone. To Florida State. Like, I remember that year, Florida State ended up being really good. And I had a friend that was a fan, and he was like, Man, I wish we'd gotten Anthony Edwards. We could have been like really something special. And there was a part of me that was like, I kind of wish y'all had gotten Anthony Edwards too, because he he deserves better than the situation he ended up in. And that would have been so fun to watch. But I think he truly, if you watch his interviews or if you watch his demeanor and how he plays, he's just an infectious personality that I think I was exposed to at Georgia. And so I'm more of a fan of, of the, the guy than, you know, I, I don't feel this loyalty to him. I don't feel like I have to pull for him. I just feel like I just generally like the guy and I want to see him blow up and succeed. And I think he's going to. Uh, I think every time I've watched him, the Timberwolves are at their best when he's their primary option. They have Carl Anthony Towns, but it's such a guard-driven league. And I think Edwards is the guy that, that they probably want to, stick with for the long term so um i'm really looking forward to watching his first playoff series and the fact that it's against john morant with patrick beverly john at morant the whole time and and morant's not one to hold back i think he tweeted last night just a bunch of laughing emojis um and he has a history patrick beverly so it's uh it's exciting. It's it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And that's, like I said, that's the type of series that I usually wouldn't even tune in for because neither team's that interesting at the surface level. Another another observation, and again, I don't know if this is true. There's more of an academic observation, something I wonder about. <sighs> you know, basketball has largely been about the playoffs and like college yes. basketball too. I feel like it's even shifted more in that direction somehow COVID has caused even more of a shift. That the regular season doesn't have much drama at it's all. It's like a preseason. Right. People are almost barely paying attention. And then the NBA has to transition. And again, they're, look, they're very good at developing storylines through the playoffs. Not so much in the, during the regular season. Yes. But you can see the storylines just popping up. And if not, you know, maybe we don't know the specific ones, but we see the potential, right? Luka well, Doncic, the East, Trey I've Young, already, Beverly I've versus already, Morant. Yeah, and I've already heard in the East with the Nets, like Ben Simmons is supposed to make his net, you know, his Nets debut, I guess, uh, to the public during the playoffs. And the Nets looked pretty good last night. And you look at who they are and who they're like in the first round playing the Celtics. I don't know. I mean, that's a team that it's like if they put the pieces together, they very well could win it. And I think that's why people feel like the regular season just isn't that interesting because when you've got a seven seed, it's like as long as you make the playoffs, it doesn't really matter what seed you are, anything. The Lakers, the year they won it all, I believe they were like a seven or eight. Um, But fortunately for them, it was the bubble and there was no home court advantage. And so, you know, you mentioned that since the bubble, things have changed. I think that's probably a pretty big reason people realize that year. The Lakers had a pretty bad regular season 
didn't matter. They could still win a finals if they just put the pieces together in the final in in the playoffs. I think the Nets are in that position. Uh, let me look in the West. I think I don't know in the West. Like I, it doesn't really feel like the Clippers or Timberwolves. Like this. Well, last Doug, let me teams. let me tell you about the betting odds right now because the betting odds are actually pretty strange. So if you're you know in terms of where the money is, in terms of who's going to win, can win a ch- title. So Phoenix is the favorite right now. Yeah, but. Number two is the Milwaukee Bucks. Number three mm-hmm. is the Brooklyn Nets. Number four wow. is the Miami Heat. Number five is the Boston Celtics. So you're seeing all this kind of this, this theme of East, 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 East. Uh, after the Celtics come the 76ers. And then we get to the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies. But there's not much respect for anyone on the West outside of the, the Suns. In the East, it seems to be a kind of a toss-up largely. Yeah, and one thing that struck out to me from those numbers uh, or from that list was that you jumped from what you you had Phoenix first and then the Bucks, so you had the first, the one seed in the West and the three seed in the East, and then the seven seed in the East. So again, this is where it's like as long as you make the playoffs, you could still have the third best odds of winning the whole finals if you're the seven seed in the East. And look, maybe some of this is from load management or you know whatever the philosophies are right now. You realize that Miami won the East with, or led the East with only 53 wins? Right. I mean, that's... I mean, they have a... So, yeah, their win percentage is under 65%. I mean, that's, 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 that strikes me as a little bit strange in terms of, you know, the, the amount of parity in the East is yeah, probably too much in some ways. There's nothing... There's nothing dominant for the fans to sort of, you know, really get behind in terms of well, this kind of amazing run. I'll, I'll I'll make a counterpoint to that. I think the NBA over the years has been too predictable, and there's yeah. been not enough parity. I think back to when LeBron was with the Cavs, Steph Curry and the stacked Warriors. We already knew the finals matchup before the playoffs started. Now, like you look at the East, there's five teams that very reasonably you could make an argument for. Um, in the West, while Phoenix is definitely the favorite, you know, Chris Paul's had his share of injuries in the playoffs over the years, and that's what's really derailed every team he's been on. So I think that's what I'd be looking out for with them. But after the Suns, it's a complete toss-up. I don't think, like, you look at the records, the Grizzlies are three games ahead of the Warriors, who are one game ahead of the Mavericks, who are three games in front of the Jazz, who are one game ahead of the Nuggets, who are two games in front of the Timberwolves. You go down the line... I mean, it's all these teams are. There's just a very marginal difference in their wins over a 82 game season, and and you, th- you know bring in the fact that some of these guys had more injuries than the others, and it's pretty even. So it's as much as like it seems like a team like the Mavericks have no shot, and I, I don't really think they do. I think under the right circumstances. Okay, so Doug, as as we go into these playoffs, and you know, like I said. The storylines are going to evolve. Like who? Remember last year we had a great. Maybe it was the second round, but was it the Knicks versus the Hawks, which Hawks, was one of the yeah. you know, the most fun series? We're we're going to see stuff, but just going yeah. into this, who do you want to see? Who do you want to see in the finals? That that I think has a legitimate. Oh, you can go. I mean, it can be who you think is going to. You can predict who you think you know, is going to be there, or who would yeah. you like to see? Okay, I'll say in the East, I'd prefer to see the winner of the Celtics Net series in the finals. Okay. Uh, I say this because the Bucks had their time last year. 
I think the Sixers still feel like their time is coming, and, and that's another one to keep an eye on. Uh, the Heat we've seen in the finals recently, and they're probably the least sexy good team in in the mix then, right now. Then, but they're willing to fight with each other, right? I mean, so they're, they're oh, kind yeah, of fun too. Right? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not boring. It's just, I think the Celtics, like Tatum, like I said before, Tatum and Brown, like that whole crew... Forever ago, they had all the assets in the world under Danny Ainge, and it felt like, man, they're gonna they're gonna build a dynasty here. They don't have a dynasty, and at this point, it's like they've just at some point they've got to turn the corner and become a, a legitimate contender that's making the finals. Uh, the Nets, on the other hand, are a different case with Durant, kind of on a clock as much as as great as he is right now. There's no denying, like Father Time is undefeated, and it's like if he goes to Brooklyn and they don't win a championship with last year with him, Kyrie and Harden and this year with him and Kyrie and a better supporting cast. Um, year three, I think that puts a lot of pressure on them moving forward in the next couple of years. And their odds are probably less and less with each year with, with these guys aging. And so I think it's now or never for them. So I think those are the two now or never teams. And I would like to see one of them in just because when you have a now or never team in the finals, the stakes feel that much higher. Whereas when it's a team like the Heat, like they could be there next year. The Bucks could be there next year. The Sixers could be there next year. Any of these teams. But Nets, Celtics, I'm not saying they couldn't be there next year, but especially the Nets. Like it feels like now or never. They've got to make something happen. Durant wants to be one of the all-time greats. I mean, he already is, but he wants to be he wants to be up there as far as finals performances, as far as finals appearances, as far as rings. And his clock's ticking with that. So uh, I, I want to see you know the Nets or Celtics winner of that series. And then in the West, I mean, I've wanted Golden State's last dance to happen for quite some time. I just don't think this year is the year. So in the West, I think it's got to be the young guys, whether it's Phoenix, um, Memphis. I don't know. I mean, my, my favorite team after last night, from a pure entertainment standpoint, would be the Timberwolves, but okay. I don't think they have what it takes to, to make the finals as a seven seed. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, and again, this is this is from a pure casual fan perspective, entertainment value. I'd like to see the Nets play the Grizzlies. I think that would be a Kyrie spectacular, you know, a young up-and-coming star, Morant. Um, the Brooklyn Nets are... The, the Brooklyn Nets are a great story, right? Because Durant is actually one of the funniest players in the league. It's just that he's got such a dry sense of humor. But some of the stuff he says is just sort of stunning. And so then yeah. you add Tim to, to Kyrie, major market, and sort of... Not maybe, to mention the, the Kyrie storyline this season where he missed a good deal of the regular season due to COVID. But he won that battle, right? He waited him out. Yeah, and, and, and then NBA, even NBA the other side of this, of the angst of having, you know, and maybe the up and coming team located in Memphis, Tennessee, and then the you know the forthcoming drama of will Morant stay Which or has will he be head the, out somewhere else? It's got to be the smallest market in the in the NBA. Having been to Memphis before, there's no way there's a smaller city. Well, um, it's, look, we could have. I mean, how about the, you know Memphis versus Milwaukee? Maybe the two smallest markets in the NBA. And, yeah, and that's two teams that very well could make it. Yeah. So, yeah, but like you said, I, I like in regards to the Hawks, 
Knicks series. I think the first round, like the most fun, are those newer faces that are getting their first bit of shine in the NBA playoffs. So that's why I'm like, I'm thinking Anthony Edwards versus Morant. Um, even I feel like, I mean, Luca's been in the playoffs, but Luka Doncic is still statistically the greatest 21 and under player of all time and, and is on pace to be a Jordan or LeBron. But we all know to be a Jordan or LeBron, you have to have playoff success. And so I think there's a story to be written there, whether it's he just can't get over the hump or this is where he becomes great. Um, and so the playoffs, I think the first rounds are really where the stories are written for those kind of newer faces. The East doesn't have a lot of newer faces. I think whoever makes the play in, whether it's the Cavs or Hawks, you would you would typically think they'd be the story, but it's hard to imagine, you know, an eight seed beating a beating a one. Okay, I think we're gonna wrap it up here because I know you gotta run to the airport. Uh yeah. You know, this is a best time of year for the NBA and, and I'm with you. I think I like the first round of the playoffs or the first two rounds of the playoffs the best because this is where we get something different. We get stardom, but we get something different as well. Yeah. Um, so do we give it now? I mean, of course, then the other pro the other issue with the NBA playoffs is we'll still be talking them for the next two months, right? Fair, yeah. It'll be like half a year from now and we'll still be talking about. It. Okay, everyone. We'll wrap it up here. As always, more content at fandomanalytics.com and especially, you know, some interesting stuff coming in the next day or two related to the structure of influence or influencers in sports so really um hope you guys can check that one out till next time thank you